Welcome to Season 2 of History, Books, and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of vino, and let's dive into the past. Today we're excited to have a guest joining us, Heather Webb. Hi, Heather. Welcome, Heather. On this episode, we're going to discuss the tumultuous relationship between Frank Sinatra and Ava Gardner. Hi, thanks for having me. I already said hi and, and, and broke uh, broke into your <laughs> intro there, but I'm excited to be here with you too. We're excited to have you. <laughs> we're so excited to have you. So, uh, as tradition on our show, before we dive into the intriguing facts that you're going to give us, we talk about what we're drinking. Heather, what are you drinking today? Okay, so it's afternoon. So last night I was drinking a dry Bordeaux, which Ooh. was delicious. But this afternoon I'm drinking a cup of the Platinum Jubilee Queen's Tea. It was Oh, yum. Yeah, it's a special blend they made last year and um <laughs> when I was traveling in London, I uh I picked that up a thing yummy. of it. So, it's tasty. Yeah, very nice. Special too. I am having yeah. a 2017 Los Vascos Grande Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon from Chile. I love Chilean wine. Ooh, Chilean wine. Those are usually really good. They are good. So I'm having one that I cannot pronounce today. It's uh, spelled D-A-O-U. I'm assuming Dao. Oh, it's Portuguese. It's Portuguese. Huh? Oh, do you know how to pronounce it? I don't. I think it's. I think you said it correctly or as close to correctly, I'm pretty sure. It, well, it, it is from Paso Rob- oh, yeah. Robles. Uh-huh. And I think that's California, right? It is. It is. So, it, And it's a 2020 Cabernet Sauvignon. And I have this one because I was at Costco over the weekend and they had them on sale and I'm hosting my book club in a couple weeks. So I got a couple and I just thought I'd dive into them early. Yum. Well, now it is time for us to dive into some questions we have for you, Heather. Right. Your book, Strangers in the Night, is about the tumultuous relationship between Frank Sinatra and Ava Gardner. This had to be fabulous to research. Can you tell us a little bit about who Frank and Ava were for anyone who might not know? Can't imagine anyone who doesn't know Frank Sinatra, (laughs) but uh, for those who don't, he was a crooner, uh, a singer and a heartthrob in the 40s, 1940s. And then in the 50s, he became a film star as well. Um, And uh, his career actually really kind of took off in the 50s. And he fell madly in love with Ava Gardner, who um, was also a film star and uh, what many people have deemed as the most beautiful woman ever to have passed through Hollywood. And in fact, she had a nickname, the most um, beautiful animal (laughs) after filming the Barefoot Contessa. That's a cute nickname. Yeah, she she actually hated it. Um, Oh, oh no. (laughs) You know, as beautiful as she was, she was very earthy and... uh, just sort of girl next door down earth from a really poor town in North Carolina. So putting on uppity airs was really not her thing. And people liked that a lot about her. They found her very charming. She was probably easy to relate to also if she was down to earth Mm -hmm. like that. She was, she made friends easily, you know, with, with all of the crew, not just, you know, the other actors on set. She would connect with, you know, the cameramen and people working on the sets and all that good stuff. Do you think that's part of why like Frank was attracted to her because 
she was so different than anyone else in Hollywood. I absolutely think that was a part of it. They they were similar in that they both um, came from fairly humble beginnings. And, you know, they were both very ambitious and incredibly talented. And I think, you know, between his earthiness, which was quite different, you know, being from Jersey, yeah. New York City, versus her, you know, her rural earthiness, he put them together and, you know, they could really kind of connect in, in different ways like that. Um yeah, and she loved yeah. music. She'd always wanted to kind of be a singer when she was young. That was sort of her childhood Aww. dream. And so she had it bad for those male crooners. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny because I have this off-the-wall story. I took my son to get a haircut a few weeks ago, and on the wall in the barber shop was this uh, image. It was a mug shot of somebody from Bergen County. I'm like, oh, I'm Bergen County's New Jersey. I knew that because I worked there before. And I had to look up who it was because I'm like, this guy is kind of <laughs> hot in a mob looking kind of way. I'm like, who is this? And I looked it up. It was Frank Sinatra. So funny. And it it was a mug shot from when he, he got arrested for seducing a woman. <laughs> Right. Okay. So that's hilarious because yes, back then <laughs> you could be arrested for, for courting another man's wife. Oh my gosh. And there's a big story behind mm -hmm. that. I don't remember all the details, but basically he didn't just do the courting. I mean, she very much pulled him into the fray. Oh, and, uh, she was the one yeah. who went to the police and threw him under the bus. And so this is what that mugshot is from. I need to look that up again and, and nail down those exact tidbits because it's yeah. always funny when somebody finds his mugshot. He was so young. That is hilarious. He's probably 19 or 20 in that picture. He might even be younger. I think, yeah, I think he was in his early 20s. It was, I, I mean, I've obviously done a little <laughs> research since that's all I'm, I'm like, oh, I've got to know more about this. Hollywood seems to have its own culture, some of it which we're privy to, and other parts of it are kept darkly secret. Can you tell us what it would have been like in the 1950s to be a Hollywood star and what might have been expected? Yes. So Hollywood was really different then than it is now. So first of all, studios would hire sort of, they'd have this big stable of actors you know, they would hire people on, they'd sign a contract with them for seven years, and then they would just send these people out, their actors out, to play in different parts of films. And they didn't have a lot of, the actors didn't have a lot of say in, you know, what they could take on. They, you know, that whole life of managers and agents and all that really kind of started a little bit later. And, and they were around, but they didn't have a ton of power. The power was all in the hands of the studios. By the end of the 50s, though, that whole studio culture broke down and the, the power was returned to the actors. So they could try out for the roles that they wanted instead of being told, you know, you're going to go play in this terrible crap film, which happened a, f a fair amount. And in fact, Ava blew off several roles that she was supposed to report for because she's like, that's a trash movie. I'm not going to be in that. <laughs> and she ended up getting suspended at one point. And then they withheld her checks and uh, she said, all right, well, got to pay the bills. And she ended up showing up to the nice. next thing they put her in, which was another trash film. Uh, but it was a really different kind yeah. of uh, system than, from today. Um, but in terms of the rest of the culture, I mean, you're talking about people who not only work together, but they would go out on set 
anywhere from a month to three months time, sometimes in foreign locations, because back then it used to be a lot cheaper to film, you know, in Europe, especially, but also Mexico and some places in the far East. But, um, so they would just spend endless hours with these people and they'd fall in love. You know, they become friends and fall in love. And we see a lot of that still today. That's part of that Hollywood culture where there's always a lot of breakups, a lot of marriages, you know, a lot of lovers coming in and out of their lives. Uh, and it makes sense, yeah. you know, that that you're you're acting in a film. You're really trying to put all of yourself in a, into those shoes and become this character that, you know, you very right. well might fall in love for real with this other person while you're on set. So... Um, I think us regular people are always a little amazed at how they can't seem to hold down a relationship. And you know, there's always a lot of gossip around what's happening related to those relationships. So that's definitely a really unique part of the studio and Hollywood yeah. culture too. Well, people are always talking about you and following you. And also I think like personally, like if I was married to an actor and like part of his like acting role was to like, kiss someone or like make love to someone i i would not be able to handle that i'd be like i can't make out with David Gardner. <laughs> it's hard yeah that's tough yeah and then when they you know the longer you know more and more time passed and mm-hmm. this the scenes and the expectations right. became more and more risque you know i was just uh watching a little bridgerton the other night that first season there's a couple of episodes where they're buck naked and they're gyrating and everything else on each other and you're thinking what must the significant other be thinking watching this exactly it's the same with outlander so um yeah there's like what that's definitely happening i I feel like that's really happening (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah there's definitely a different um, it's a different lifestyle. And I think that's probably why a lot of starlets have trouble with relationships with people who aren't in Hollywood mm-hmm. culture, you know, cause they understand each other and the needs right. of the job and they're not threatened by them the way regular people are. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think Frank and Ava are most famous for both individually and then as a couple? Well, I think Frank is most famous for his songs. I mm-hmm. think, a few in particular, my kids are teenagers and a few years ago, two, three years ago, right before the pandemic, um, fly me to the moon became this explosive meme again. And my kids, I put it on cause I was starting to research for this book and they were like, mom, that's Frank Sinatra. And I was like, how did they <laughs> how know who know Frank that? Sinatra is? It was great. You know, it actually kind of made me happy. But, you know, I, I'm definitely Frank. I mean, people play him at, at dinner parties still. Mm-hmm. His, his voice is at every Italian restaurant. Yeah. And there are certain songs in particular, of course, that are most famous. And then Ava, she's a lot less famous. You know, she she was hugely famous during her day. In fact, by the time she and Frank really connected, she had already been on the cover of, I don't know, 35 magazines or something. Wow. Um, yeah, she was, you know, really kind of doing well and her, and her career took off in the fifties too. Once they, you know, right when they were meeting, um, she was chased by enormous mobs of people in Brazil and in, um, Italy. And I mean, like, like life threatening kind of wow. mob coming after her. That's scary. So she was, she was very mm-hmm. famous for her films. And today, you know, I didn't even know very much about her when I started on this book. I, I kind of recognized her face, mm-hmm. 
but I didn't really know that much. So I think her enduring appeal is uh, those photos of her. You see a picture of her and you're like, who is that gorgeous woman? And she's obviously a Hollywood starlet. Like you can look at it and know immediately that she's a starlet, which is too bad. You know, you want her work to stand up for her instead of, um, but film has changed. Right. And a lot of it doesn't, I don't think a lot of it translates well to today. That's true. I watched Mogumbo, the the movie she won and got nominated. She didn't win, uh, nominated for best actress in this film and I kept laughing because there were scenes with like Grace Kelly who's a sort of a wilting violet I mean it's raining out in the bush and so she's like oh poor me <laughs> and she falls into a pit and Clark Gable has to rescue her and I'm just I'm laughing hysterically because I'm like girl it's raining and you're hysterical and you can't walk back to camp because it's raining I mean just these kinds of things yeah. have not translated well to modern day feminism Definitely not. Mm. <laughs> but they're still fun to watch. They are. They're great fun. And you yeah. can really see their acting chops still. I mean, it, that part does come through, I think. That's awesome. Now, so what do you think they're most famous for, like, as a couple? Oh, God. Their relationship was like a match and dynamite. You, you'd put them near each other and they were explosive. They were throwing pots and pans and cussing oh at the top of their lungs on mm. set. They would break out into a huge fight in the middle of a restaurant, have photogs chasing oh them, paparazzi, get, you know, watching this whole thing go down. They're cussing at each other and screaming in the oh parking lot of a fancy high-end Hollywood restaurant. You know, at one point, she threw her emerald engagement ring out of a 14th story window in Manhattan. Oh, gosh. Um, it was recovered. Wow, but, that's surprising. But, no, yeah. I know, no kidding. I read that and my jaw was just like, dropping yeah but they loved really passionately and I think they were in a lot of ways really well matched it's just a matter of Frank was very traditional and Ava was not yeah and so he you know that just wasn't going to work in the end he wanted a little lady at home and she's just like screw it's you like that. <laughs> I've got to be in Mexico yeah. next month on set like bye you know yeah. so. living my life you're just <laughs> a part of it yeah, yeah, so um, so they, definitely their relationship together. That's funny. <laughs> so it just popped in my head. She did it her way. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. She girl. Definitely did it her way. <laughs> actually, one of the one of the sections of the book I, I titled it "My Way," and you can oh, tell yeah. it relates to both of them. Yeah, you know? I like that. Yeah, yeah. Very hard headed people. So there are rumors that Frank was linked to the mafia. What do you think about those? <laughs> they're not rumors. They're real. Ooh. It's real. He was definitely, he so was. that mugshot was a thing, a sign of things to come. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the mugshot. Yeah. It really had nothing to do with the mafia, but yeah. he was absolutely linked to the mafia. Oh, wow. I don't think he was really an active member. I think he just, um, he was, he was friends with these guys. And, and here's the thing. So, um, you know, you think about, you think about gangster movies and, and some of the stuff you've read and mm-hmm. the mafia is always kind of running, dipping their hands in the pot behind the scenes in different businesses. Well, they more or less owned the nightclub circuit in the forties yeah. and the 1950s. So, um, any big entertainer, they were, you know, putting the squeeze to them. But they would also help you find jobs if you were one of their people. So, you know, like Dean Martin, um, he changed his name, but he was uh, 
he's he was Italian American as well, and he did direct links with the mafia too, running bootleg liquor over the the border of Canada and the, to the to the U.S. But Frank was the was the same. He took the jobs they would give him, and it it meant you know sometimes when they needed cash for something, he had to hook them up. Wow. Um, there are pictures of him with some of the biggest mob bosses, the Moretti uh, brothers down in. I think it's Cuba that he flew to. I'm pretty sure it was Cuba. And then one of his good friends was um, Sam Giancana, who was the head of the Chicago mafia. Mm, scary. Uh, <laughs> so he was absolutely, there's, there's hundreds of papers and I need to look up the exact number again, because it's been a while since I did the research, but there are hundreds of papers that the FBI has in a dossier on Frank Sinatra and the mafia. Wow. They kept trying to nail him and they couldn't ever get it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's intense. Yep. Yeah, there's a great book actually called, um, uh, what's it called? It's by Anthony Summers, I can tell you that. It's all about Frank's connection to the mafia. Um, and it's it, he really does this systematic uh, layout sh yeah. showing the links between them all. And even JFK yeah. and his assassination and all that stuff. Um, that was crazy. all mixed. Frank was kind of mixed up in that a little bit. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it fascinating. John was his friend. I mean, he was a good friend of his for a while. In any case, that's another that's another story for another day. <laughs> As we're chatting, I'm realizing how much stuff there is. There's so much stuff, and I did. I cut so much from the book because you just can't. Yeah, you can't that's the it. hard part: trying to figure out what to put in and what to keep out, and then not being able to put in all of the juicy bits. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for sharing all those fascinating answers. Before we get into the next stage of our show, which is one of our favorites, three fun facts, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Hey, history lovers, Eliza here. We're interrupting today's happy hour to let you know that Lori and I host another fascinating podcast with our friend, Brenna Ash. Hey there, this is Brenna. Crime Feast is a true crime podcast hosted by three friends who are obsessed with all things crime. Each week, join Brenna, Eliza, and I as we serve up a platter of murders, mayhem, missing persons, tragedies, and more. Feast on notorious tales ripped from today's headlines and resurrected from the past. Until then, stay safe out there. We don't want you on the menu next. Now, back to the show. Cheers! So, Heather, why don't you tell us three fun facts you discovered during your research? Okay, well, I gave you some. <laughs> There's so many. But, okay, so, so a few fascinating ones. Two of, of Frank's most famous songs he absolutely hated, and he hated singing oh, wow. them. And that was My Way, which is <gasps> oh my his God. Oh, I love that song. song of all time. That's so surprising. Mm -hmm. And the title for which my book is named, Strangers in the Night. No way! So he hated, like, some of his most famous songs. Yeah. Is it because wow. he had to sing them so many times? Um, so if you listen to the lyrics of My Way, it, it was a 1960s hit, kind of towards the end of the 60s. It, it really kind of paints him in this sort of stubborn, egotistical light. And I think oh, yeah. this is what he didn't like about it. And mm -hmm. it it's sort of this sad, you know, I'm, I'm sort of 
fading into the night kind of song. And this is just not, I mean, Frank was on stage until they put a hook around his neck and said, you have dementia and can't read the lyrics from the teleprompters. He was a performer through and through. So I think he just didn't like that about the song. Yeah. That makes sense. And I have no idea why he didn't like Strangers in the Night, but that was one of the things he didn't like. <laughs> so that's one. He had a famous nickname. Well, we know we think of him as Old Blue Eyes, mm-hmm. but he was called Scarface by the people, his oh buddies, because when he was an infant, he had a really large head. Um, as he was being born, they thought he was dead, actually. They used oh four steps to get him out, and it scarred the side of his face. It actually probably ruptured an eardrum. Oh, my. That caused some other issues with it, which was why he couldn't do time in, in the uh, service. Oh. During World War II, he tried, he went to try to, you know, join the join the men heading overseas, and he was denied because of an issue with his ear. Wow. So, so Scarface was his, his nickname for a long time with his buddies. That's funny. And sad <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. It, it is. Um, so there's also... This funny thing in the 40s, the very first time Frank um, played at the Paramount in New York City, uh, and they were trying to get him recognized by people, his manager was out in the street paying young women, young, you know, like teens, to go in there and to attend and to scream. Oh, and to be really excited. So his first group of Bobby Soxer fans that were <laughs> screaming and crying had been paid to be there. Hmm. But, you know, it worked. It, it created work. this sensation. Yeah. And, yeah. and he was, you know, after that, he was he was pretty popular um, for a while, for several years. And then, of course, he crashed and burned because his his public persona was not not very good that temper for one thing and then he hated paparazzi so he would fight them in the streets oh my um, gosh mm-hmm. yeah but for for a while that whole bobby soxer thing set him up it's hilarious yeah that that's is. funny is there anything else you'd like us to know about your book strangers in the night well <laughs> i've heard it's a to quote one of the the blurbs i just shared last week from another author a sexy addictive page turner <laughs> So I sure hope that that's true. It is it was- true. I got to read an early copy and I loved it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and that's it. It's on sale towards the end of March, March 21st. And I'm excited for it to make its way out there. It's going to go gangbusters. You guys should all look at the cover. The cover is gorgeous. Yeah, they did a great job. Mm-hmm. So we are writers, but we're also readers. So we always like to know, what are you reading? I'm reading Reef Road. Oh, yeah, I have that one. Yeah, I've kind of been seeing that everywhere. So I thought, you know, let me check it out. It's by Deborah Goodrich Royce. I've just started. It's a bit dark, Mm -hmm. but the writing is is lovely. It's vivid, and it it hooks you right away. So that's awesome. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. (laughs) So where can our readers find you? Anywhere on the internet, pretty much. <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I have a website with a newsletter you can sign up for that's free and it pops in your inbox once a month. And that's usually the best way, honestly, to keep abreast of news. Social media with algorithms is so hit or miss. Right. Mm-hmm. But I love seeing people there too. So, what is your website address? My website is heatherwebauthor.com or heatherweb.net. Perfect. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, ladies. So good to see you. This has been awesome. (laughs) It's great to see you. We enjoyed your fun facts and all of that. I'm full of it. I am full of it. Can't wait to see how well this book does because I know it's just going to soar. Fingers crossed. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, ladies. You're welcome. Well, we hope you listeners have enjoyed today's episode with guest Heather Webb. Next week, tune in to hear my chat on the Ides of March. Coming up, we also have a guest author, Stephanie Thornton, joining us for a happy hour chat. For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HistoryBKSWine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. That way you're notified every time a new episode is live. Subscribes and reviews help us get noticed. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time. Cheers and happy reading. Thank <laughs> you.